We are one week away from actual college basketball games, and so it's time to get ready for the season with national storylines, chief of which is trying to figure out how on earth is Purdue going to respond to being just the second ever one seed to lose to a 16. You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's up? Welcome into the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, the only daily national college hoop show out there. We're your host. This is Andy Patton. I'm Isaac Shade. It's so good to be with you literally one day to the week before we have the tip-off of the regular season. All sorts of great exhibition games going on right now, and it, it's I'm just so amped, Andy. I can't wait. This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Uh, go to prizepicks.com slash locked on college and use code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100 daily fantasy sports made easy. Here's the setup for the show, folks. Here's how this is going to work. Andy and I independently each came up with our top 10 storylines ahead of the 2023-24 college basketball season. We looked at them, we collated it and realized five of our, exactly half of both our lists lined up. So we're going to bring you those five storylines right out of the gate. Then we're going to give you Andy's other five that weren't consensus and then my other five that weren't consensus. So we're bringing you 15 top national storylines today to help you get ready for this college basketball season. Speaking of which, we'd love to know what you think. Here's how you can do that. Hop into our brand new Discord. The link is in the show notes, audio or visual. Let us know what your top storylines are for this season. Speaking of which, we're going to have a mailbag episode this week. You can hop in the Discord and let us know your mailbag questions there. So, Andy, I said it off the top, but I think the biggest storyline we're looking at is to try to figure out, can Purdue pull a Virginia? And obviously what we mean by that is Virginia was the first ever one seed upset by a 16 UMBC. They came back, won the national championship the next year. Purdue brings back the national player of the year and is trying to do the same thing. Andy, can they pull it off? I think so. You know, I, I'm not saying I, I'm, you know, certainly not going Purdue versus the field, anything like that. You shouldn't pick any team versus the field in uh, early November. That's just not a good idea. Yeah, no, I like what you're saying that you're just saying they can, they can absolutely. And, and I think, I mean, you're looking at a team that returns basically everybody. Uh, they went with a different starting lineup in that scrimmage game against Arkansas, but they returned the same starters they had last year. You know, they have Mason Gillis, they have lawyer, they have Brayden Smith. Like this is a, a talented backcourt that has gotten a year of experience under their belt after being basically all freshmen last year. And then, of course, you have Zach Eady. And Zach Eady was a complete monster last year, best player in college basketball, really indisputably so. Purdue has a very, very good non-conference schedule. They're, of course, going to run into a gauntlet in Big Ten play. But Fairleigh Dickinson did show how to beat Purdue. They show, they kind of – there's a, there's tape out there now. Print. A lot of teams have watched. Yeah, yeah. And you got to expect that Coach Matt Painter and the staff has figured out ways to kind of get away from that and, and try to figure out ways to, to make sure that that doesn't happen to them again. If he's successful, this team has as good a chance as anybody in the country of, of pulling a Virginia and putting themselves in that national championship conversation. And that's all you can ask for preseason is to have a shot. And that's what we're saying. You and I both think that they certainly can do that. There, there's, again, no reason to think that they can't. Not only is that Big Ten schedule going to be a gauntlet, they are part of what I think is the best Maui field ever. They get yeah. Gonzaga their first game, and then they'll either play Tennessee or Syracuse. On the other side of the bracket, Kansas, Chaminade, UCLA, mm -hmm. and Marquette. So uh, we'll learn a lot and quickly. Speaking of Zach Eady, Andy, our second storyline, 
Is this the year of the Bigs 2.0? Last year, the AP preseason uh, All-American team was Drew Timmy, Oscar Shibway, Trace Jackson Davis, Armando Baycott, and one guard, Marcus Sasser. We basically had a repeat of that in this year's AP preseason All-American team. One guard, Marquette's Tyler Kolek, along with Duke's Kyle Filipowski, uh, Kansas's Hunter Dickinson, North Carolina's Armando Baycott, and of course, Zach Eady rounding out that list. Uh, Andy, the NBA don't want these dudes. They're mm-hmm. sticking around. And is there any reason not to think that the bigs won't dominate yet again? Not really, no. I mean, it, it's exactly what you said. The NBA doesn't want these guys. Armando Baycott's a McDonald's All-American who's going into his fifth year of college basketball. That is historically unprecedented, but it makes sense for the simple reason that the NBA doesn't want Baycott, doesn't want his skill set, and he can make money in college. Like those two things alone have, have created the situation where you're seeing guys like Dickinson enter the portal instead of going pro. You're seeing a guy like Zach Eady win National Player of the Year and come back. You're seeing All-Americans come back like Armando Baycott. This specific player archetype is really, really valuable in college basketball and not in the NBA. It's kind of this weird dichotomy that that has been created the last couple of years. So until something changes, and the COVID year will help with that eventually, but until something changes, this is going to continue to be the case. Dominant, low-post scoring bigs will stay in college basketball. I mean, look at this list. You, you talked about Filipowski, Dickinson, Baycott, and Edie. That is a great front four, but it doesn't include Donovan Klingon. It doesn't include Ryan Kalkbrenner. It doesn't include Umar Balo or Nafali Dante or Jerron Holmes from Dayton. Like There are other really good bigs in this sport outside of these guys. So for me, I think it's going to be the year of the big every year until it's not, until something about this changes, whether the NBA pendulum swings and these players become more popular, whether something changes in college basketball and they're not as desired, whether at the high school ranks, players don't try to do this anymore. Like things could change, but until they do, it's going to keep happening like this. There's the take. Absolutely. There's no reason to think this is going away. It will happen again this year and it's going to happen for the foreseeable future. Andy, one of the biggest off-season storylines has clearly been realignment, but so Mm -hmm. much of it has been about the 24-25 season, but we got a bunch going on this year, and that's our storyline number three that we both had. The biggest impact this year is Big 12, the AAC, and Conference USA is the domino effect, and so I think I want to couch it in these terms. Is the Big 12 enlarged, uh, you know, with these teams coming in, Houston, BYU, UCF, and Cincinnati, is it still going to be the nation's best conference or will they get a challenge from an upstart big east or the sec coming on strong yeah it's interesting i think the big the big 12 has added one really really great team in houston and next year when they go through realignment again they're going to add one really great team in arizona but the rest of the teams they're adding are not they're they're kind of they're dragging down the big 12 and, and that's a dramatic way to describe it but it's it's more about the fact that there is such a high level of concentrated talent in the big 12 that unless you are a top 25 team or at least like a top 40 team in college basketball you dri- you you drag down the middle of the conference cincinnati's a good program but they're expected to finish like ninth ninth tenth maybe eighth in that conversation BYU is a historically good program, but they haven't been great lately, and it might be a really tough transition for them coming into this conference. Same thing with UCF. So I think the Big 12, in a vacuum, the mid-level of the conference maybe gets a little bit worse, but adding Houston is a really big step. Big East is going to be great this year. 
if Neptune turns Villanova around, if Patino turns St. John's around, we'll get to that momentarily. <laughs> uh, I think that conference is going to be really tough to beat top to bottom. Certainly, it depends what Georgetown does. It depends what DePaul does. Butler, same thing. But those two conferences, I think, are really, really good. The SEC is fantastic as well. I think they're just a, kind of a tick below. But yeah, I think the Big 12 adding more schools isn't necessarily making them better as a whole, but it is adding to the top of that conference. Realignment stays a story for this year, and it will be again next. Andy, our last two in this opening salvo here are both pretty much coach-related. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them, let's let's go to storyline number four, is Kentucky, who had the weirdest roller coasteriest, tumultuous offseason. Uh, we've got all the – it feels like their entire front court is on the injured list right yeah. now. Um, and so Kentucky trying to win yet again with a very talented – but very young team aside from, you know, like a, a, a Trey Mitchell and a Reeves coming back. And so, I mean, we're looking at both. Can Kentucky do this with a young team? And good grief, what is the, uh, I think you phrased it this way, what is the seat temperature for mm-hmm. Coach Cal, especially if Kentucky is just average or even worse than that? Yeah. What's it going to mean in Lexington? Yeah, so uh, Calipari, I don't think his seat is that hot yet. He brought in the number one recruiting class. That's kind of what you expect John Calipari to do is bring in the best high school players in the country and put them on a roster and figure out how to win games with them. He has continued to do that, but the winning hasn't translated to wins in March, and that's been a big issue for them. And they've had some seasons where they you know, struggled to win even outside of March. So I think that this team has a ton of talent. I think if they get Zvonimir Avisic uh, eligible, that's a huge bonus for them because right now Aaron Bradshaw's hurt, Ugana Onyenso is hurt, excuse me, and Trey Mitchell's starting at the five, and, and that's a little out of position for him. I, I think that this team is going to be firing on all cylinders by the time February rolls around, but it'll be interesting to see how people have been feeling about Calipari up to that point because I think it could be pretty rocky early on. And then the fifth storyline, Andy, another coach, one of the best coaches ever in the history of college basketball mm-hmm. in the probably the most important city in our country. Rick Pitino is at St. John's. He's mm-hmm. back at the high major level of college basketball. This is good for our sport. He was essentially one of the only casualties of everything because the NCAA couldn't mm-hmm. clip anybody off. But <laughs> Louisville, uh, you know, did it themselves with Rick Pitino. Mm-hmm. Uh there is a loaded Big East, as you were just talking about, that he's going to try to compete in. He's, you know, roster overhaul, very similar to Coach Prime out in Colorado with the football team. And we're going to wait to see what that means for this team. You know, you and I have said we think there's a pretty loaded top four in the Big East, but it feels like St. John's is right there lurking behind him. I'm really curious to see how competitive they can be in year one and can he get them to the tournament? If I remember back to our Big East show, I think we both put St. John's in the NCAA tournament. Andy, yeah. what do you think? I did. I did. And I do think they're going to make the tournament. And I think outside of Purdue, this is the most compelling team to watch this year in college basketball. Just because of Patino being an icon on the sidelines, his history in the Big East, back in the conference that he kind of helped put on the map in a major way from his time at Providence. Completely new roster. We saw how much of a storyline that has been in college football with Dion in Colorado. Now, same storyline in basketball, but from a, a program with a lot of pedigree, a lot of history, a conference with a ton of history, and a coach who helped put him on the map. I think you put all that together, and it's really hard for this not to be this just incredibly mag- magnifying story in college basketball. 
Well, we got more storylines to discuss coming up today. We're going to talk about my five storylines that did not make the cut. All of that coming up after a word from today's sponsor, Athletic Brewing. And we're going to talk about the game changer of the week. Once again, brought to you by the Athletic Brewing Company. Athletic Brewing has completely changed the non-alcoholic beer game. They make non-alcoholic beers that actually taste good. They are full flavor and well-crafted, just like a full-strength beer. And speaking of good, how about Chet Holmgren's second NBA game? 16 points, 13 boards, 7 blocks. Only rookie to ever put up those numbers. He also hit three three-pointers. Only player since Chris Stapps Porzingis in 2016 to put that number up. He is looking like a real challenger for that rookie of the year for Victor Wembignana and the San Antonio Spurs. Folks, you can find Athletic Brewing Company's non-alcoholic brews at a store near you, or you can buy them online at athleticbrewing.com. First-time customers can also use promo code Locked On to get 15% off your first online order. That's code Locked On at checkout for 15% off at athleticbrewing.com. Exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all times. This episode of Locked on College Basketball is also brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, patience. All of this, what brings home the winning trophy, is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors, they've got everything you need to maintain your vehicle and leave it at peak performance. From superchargers to roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed or power or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit exactly right on your ride every single time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the price parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. eBay Guaranteed Fit only available to U.S. customers. As Andy said, we're going to move right on in to his next other five off of his top 10 storylines for this year. So, Andy, we have the son of one of the the second greatest NBA player of all time. Yes, I said it. Uh, that may or may not be playing out west this year. Why don't you talk to us about Bronny James and then whatever else is on your list? Yeah, I think Bronny James's story is one of the most compelling ones in college basketball in huge part because of his last name. I think a top 30 prospect having to miss time because of a heart condition is going to be a storyline regardless. But of course, the fact that it's LeBron James's son, the fact that there's been all this attention about, is he going to be a one and done player? Is he going to get drafted because a team wants to sign LeBron along with him? Like there's all these kind of additional storylines. Of course, there's also the story of USC being a legitimate contender to win the Pac-12. But Ellis comes back. Isaiah Collier is the top ranked freshman in the entire country. Those three guys forming a backcourt together is a really intriguing story, again, outside of the name aspect of this story as well. So, uh, of course, health is the most important thing. Bronny getting healthy, Bronny feeling capable of playing, all that matters far more than when are we going to see him on the floor? But at the same time, we are very curious and intrigued and excited to see what Bronny looks like at the collegiate level, how he meshes in that backcourt with USC. Uh, I'm really hopeful we do get a chance to see him on the floor sooner rather than later. But, of course, understanding that there are things far more important than when he gets back on the court at play here. And Isaac... I also want to talk about the ACC because I think we, we've, I tried to do for my 10, I tried to do at least one from every major conference. I ended up getting a couple from the ACC because I'm really interested in what's going to happen in that conference. More, starting with 
the teams that traditionally dominate, Duke and North Carolina, those are the two teams. And we've seen Clemson sneak into that conversation. We've seen Pitt sneak into that conversation. Miami certainly been in that conversation. But for me, the big storyline now is can Duke and North Carolina just be the two teams that run that conference? They got great rosters heading into the season. What do you think? You think those two teams could be at the top again? I think Duke is more is a safer bet right now than North Carolina. We we talked about Kentucky's young roster. I think we often so often think about Kentucky and Duke in the same sentence mm-hmm. with some of that, but that ain't Duke this year, right? They bring back a whole bucket load of talent, uh, sophomores and these freshmen that get to be contributors rather than uh, bearing the weight of, uh, of the team on their shoulders. So I think Duke is a, is a very safe front runner. North Carolina had their exhibition game this past weekend, and Andy looked um, very good as compared to what they did last year. A lot of things that translate. So I'm feeling good about where North Carolina is going to be at, mm-hmm. but Miami's going to be right there. I, I don't think um, North Carolina or Duke will really be able to separate just because Miami's so good as well. But I do mm-hmm. think that's the clear top three, at least for this year. And then, yeah, I mean, Virginia is always lurking. I think Clemson is going to be really good, as you said. That, for me, is the top five. Yeah. But um, I, I think it's reasonable to expect that Duke and UNC could be at the top, but Miami will not go quietly. Well, another ACC team that I kind of want to talk about as well is, is Syracuse, and a team that hasn't been incredibly relevant the last couple of years in terms of you know making the big dance and making the runs that we're used to. But Jim Boeheim's gone. First time new head coach for the Orange since Gerald Ford was president. And this was the story that happened really early in the offseason. And I think kind of got, for lack of a better word, buried as there wasn't a lot of other interests with Syracuse going on this offseason. But they made some fun additions. Uh, and now we're going to look at a team that probably isn't going to play the zone nearly as often. Like for nothing else, whether Syracuse has the similar record as last year, whatever it may be, they're going to be different. And it's been a very long time since something was different about this program. Yeah, Andy, and and that's the play. I mean, Coach Autry's talked about like, yeah, you ain't, you ain't going to see it nearly mm-hmm. as much. So 100%. Yeah, yeah. going to be really interesting to see how Syracuse adjusts to to the post Bayheim era. But I'm, I'm really excited about this team and the talent that they have on the roster. And of course, we already talked about realignment. Realignment is a huge storyline in college basketball, but uh, there might be more. We're hearing rumors about Gonzaga in the Big 12. Brett Yormark is really, uh, really wants to build a, a premier basketball conference. Gonzaga kind of feels like that last piece. UConn's been in, in realignment conversations as well. And, you know, I'd like to think that as we're getting into the actual season, that these conversations might kind of cease for the next few months. But as we've seen, that doesn't necessarily uh, always be the case. I don't, I don't think it will be. I, I mean, particularly with Gonzaga, that's been mm-hmm. the one that that's cropping up. So we'll wait to see on that. I'm, I'm really su- wouldn't be surprised to see both them and uh, the UConn thing. It'll keep happening whether they move or not remains yeah. to be seen. Absolutely. And, it'll, you know, if Gonzaga doesn't get into the Big 12, this this go round, uh, Big East is going to be renegotiating their deal in 2025. I think there's going to be a lot of conversation happening there. And part of the reason for Gonzaga's uh, maybe being a little bit more having a little bit more uh, motivation, let's put it that way, to get out of a a mid-major conference is my final storyline here. What's going on with the NIT? What's going on with the Fox postseason tournament? We are seeing uh, 
we're seeing these these media deals, these media companies that work with these power five, power six conferences kind of throwing their weight around and trying to prevent some of these mid-major schools from getting involved. And Isaac, I could talk about this topic for much longer than we have time to do right here. But uh, seeing the NIT going away from letting mid-major automatic bids in the tournament, uh, seeing this new Fox tournament that's going to guarantee spots to those power five teams, it's a an alarming trend that we're building towards in college basketball where we're pushing away these mid-major teams. And uh, again, it's maybe not a direct threat to Gonzaga in particular, but certainly something that that is looming on the horizon that could be, at least in my opinion, very damaging to the game of college basketball. Yeah, the NCAA trying to slide this NIT news in a Friday dump on Friday afternoon was not a good look. No. Andy, I, I, I don't know that I've ever been more rankled about something in college basketball in a long Great time. Word. I, I hate this move. Mm -hmm. uh, we have to fight for these mid-major teams. And one of the only ways to do it is if there are guarantees of them being in this tournament. Mm -hmm. So without it, I'm a little bit nervous. Now, speaking of which, one of those schools is FAU, who just was phenomenal last year, made this run to the Final Four. Can they do it again? Are they for real? We're going to talk about that in just a second. Right after I tell you that this episode of Locked On College Basketball is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks offers promotions to you like Taco Tuesday. They give you these great big payouts. You love to see it. Each Tuesday, Prize Picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide you even more value. And with the Prize Picks reboot policy, your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. They're the only daily fantasy sports platform with that injury insurance. And I, I love their platform. It's so easy to play on. You just choose two or more players. And you look at the, the projected stat and you just choose if you think that player will get more or less than that stat. That's all you got to do. Super quick and easy. If you got a busy life, you don't want to spend a lot of time picking, this is the perfect platform for you. Here's a great one for me. I've got Jameer Gibbs on my fantasy football team. I need him to come through in a big way on Monday Night Football tonight. His rush yards is set at 68 and a half. I'm hitting the more on that because I need it in my fantasy team. Why not on prize picks? As well, so go to prizepicks.com slash locked on college and use code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's prizepicks.com slash locked on college and use code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks daily fantasy sports made easy. Andy, here's my five that didn't make our consensus list. So I, got, I, I mentioned it. Let's start with FAU. This team was phenomenal last season in Conference USA. For, for people that are just kind of casual college basketball fans, sure, they came out of nowhere. Sure, they benefited from Purdue losing to Fairleigh Dickinson. But after that, they were able to knock off some really good teams on their way to this Final Four and were a phenomenal buzzer beater away from making the national championship game themselves. And so, Andy, they bring back a ton of talent. John L. Davis, Elijah Martin, although Elijah Martin did just miss their secret scrimmage a couple weekends ago. But this team brings back almost the entirety of their core that did all that last year. And the question that comes up is, are they for real? You know, I, I believe even I, like in our uh, way too early rankings, I had them like fourth or fifth. And you were like, come on, Isaac, that's a little bit wacky. <laughs> and, and now... I see that, right? Like, mm -hmm. I, I very much was a prisoner of the moment there. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> FAU makes this move to the AAC. Houston goes, and then the AAC brings in all these teams. They project to be the top team in the a AAC. 
I, I hope that they're awesome, but I fear that similar to North Carolina in last off season, yeah. we might be projecting too much onto their shoulders because of what they did in the NCAA tournament. Andy, are you think they're going to be for real? Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. I think I enjoy when mid-major teams get preseason hype. I think it's good for mid-majors as a whole. I think it's good for the sport to kind of be reminded that there are schools that aren't in, you know, there are non-football schools that do this. There are non-Big East schools, uh, non-Gonzaga schools that can do this and be successful. And so I like when these teams get that momentum, but I do see so often that those any team that has a good run in March uh, that brings everybody back gets preseason hype. That's what happened with North Carolina. It's what's happening this year with Michigan State. Like it is a consistent theme in college basketball that if you do well in the in the tournament, that's the last thing people remember, you're going to get overhyped going into the next year. So it's happening with FAU. I don't think they're egregiously overhyped by people who have them in like the 12 to 15 range. Cause I kind of think that that's reasonable based on how good this team was last year, even outside of the tournament. But it is unfortunate if FAU does stumble, even if, you know, they're in a new conference, they're playing new teams. Like there's a, a reason to believe that they may stumble a little bit. And even if they have a great year, but they finish outside the top 25, they finish second in the AAC, like people are going to use that as an argument against these mid-major schools. Oh, they're always flashes in the pans, whatever. And that I think is frustrating because I don't think that's actually the case for FAU. Uh, most teams don't become Gonzaga where they just make it the next 20 years in a row. It's rare for that to happen. That's why that story is so uh, special. But in an era where the, the mid-major teams are kind of having to fight really hard for any legitimacy. I feel like there's a lot of pressure on FAU that's totally unfair, but absolutely there because of, of the timing of them going on that deep run and the timing of how people are treating mid-major schools right now. Well, we'll find out a lot in the non-conference. They might be playing Texas A&M in the ESPN mm -hmm. Events Invitational second game. They will play Illinois in the Jimmy V Classic on December 5th. And uh, the big one, Arizona, December 23rd in Las Vegas. Keep your eyes on that. We'll find out a lot. Now, speaking of which, Andy, my second storyline is last year, we had the first ever Final Four since expansion in 1985 without a one, two, or three seed. UConn was the highest seed at four. Never happened. So what I'm watching for, one of my storylines, is was that a sign of the transfer portal NIL times that we're living in, or was it a one-year blip? Because just the year before, we had had Kansas, Carolina, Duke, and Villanova. So, right. But right. this was the second highest Final Four aggregate ever. It was just the second time ever without a top two seed. And there's only three times in NCAA tournament history in, in these mo the modern era that we haven't had at least one one seed, 06, 2011, and last year. So, Andy, I'm watching to see, was that a sign of this is where we're at? Kind of now there's more parity, or was it a blip? Let's keep moving on because we're short on time. Next thing I'm watching, what's going to happen in the last year of, as we described in our Pac-12 preview, the Pac-12 as we know it. They've mm -hmm. had a renaissance in football. We had a great conversation about that. And there are some intriguing teams in the Pac-12. You talked about USC. We're looking at Arizona to be a really strong team this year, but I, I just don't see them being at the elite of the elite teams. But, but you've got possibility with USC and Arizona. There's a lot of unknown and uncertainty with UCLA because of all the international flavor they bring in. Colorado, crazy talented with guys like Tristan Da Silva and Cody Williams coming in. They've got this championship drought going back to 1997 and Arizona. This could be the last chance, pending on what happens with the Pac-12 and the Mountain West Conference, to redeem that and get one more Pac-12 championship. Andy, 
I this swan song could be interesting. Hopefully the Pac-12 can make some noise. Yeah, I I would absolutely adore if Arizona got to the national championship, broke this streak that dated back to 1997, and then the conference, you know, it's it's their their ultimate swan song if that were to happen. Uh, I think it would be a fantastic storyline. Very intrigued to watch the Pac-12 this year. There's some other teams like Oregon, Arizona State, uh, potentially even Stanford, Washington, who have rosters potentially capable of making runs and kind of shocking some people. Uh, and I'm really intrigued to see how the middle of the pack responds because uh, that's kind of where we've seen that renaissance on the football side. And it'd be fun to see that kind of happen on the basketball side as well. All right, Andy, here's my last two storylines. Number, uh, I guess, 14 of our 15. The downfall of one and done success. You know, we've seen a couple blips here and there of it uh, getting through to a national championship win. But man, especially in these last couple of years as we've had COVID eligibility, as transfer portal has become a thing, as NIL is keeping guys in college longer, get old and stay old has become more important than ever. We talked about that earlier with Kentucky. As we don't, because of that youth, it's like, I would be more shocked if they won the national championship than mm -hmm. if they didn't, despite all that talent. So uh, I'm curious to see what that looks like this year and then how it looks going forward as COVID eligibility kind of ages out uh, of college basketball. Keep your eyes on this, folks. The downfall of one-and-done success at a team level. And then uh, my final storyline for us today is Chris Beard at Ole Miss. Now, Andy, I know uh, we've had a lot of conversation about the morals and the ethics of hiring him so quickly, given what happened uh, in, in the news reports and everything, despite him being uh, absolved of that information last year. That said, there is no denying he is a phenomenal basketball coach who can turn things around like this just like we expect out of Rick Pitino. He did it at Little Rock. He did it at Texas Tech. He was on his way to doing it at Texas until he was dismissed. Andy, going to be really interesting to see what happens at, similar to Texas Tech, not a traditional basketball power as he follows up on the heels of Kermit Davis. Yeah, SEC continuing to add some some premier talent, coaching talent into that conference. It'll be interesting to see how how Beard, how quickly Beard can turn things around with Ole Miss and, and get that team into relevance with Alabama and Arkansas and Kentucky and, and Florida and and A and M and everybody else. Tennessee, like there's a lot say, of say really Tennessee, good teams. say Tennessee. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of really good teams in the SEC. It'll be interesting to see how quickly that can turn around. And then speaking on the last point, real quick before we get out of here, yeah, I think. You know, you look at the teams expecting to compete for a championship this year. Purdue doesn't have a lot of freshmen. Duke obviously has has one uh, in McCain, and then Michigan State has a few, and, and Kansas has a you know a Marco Jackson coming off the bench. Like there are none of the teams that are really vying to win the championship this year feel like teams dominated by freshmen, and I think it might be a while until that ends up happening again. But folks, that's going to wrap us up for today here. 15 storylines brought your way here coming out of college basketball as we are one week away from the official start of the season. Isaac, I cannot wait for us to be back talking about having our six packs, talking about college basketball, actual games on a daily basis. So, so excited to be there. Thank you so much for making the show your first listen or your first watch of the day. Make sure you hit that like button on YouTube. Leave us a comment to let you know you were here. You were here. You can also find us on our new Discord channel. You can find us on Twitter as well. Once again, thank you so much for listening. Apologies to the lawyer family. Go Wildcats. And until tomorrow, he's out.